So how many of you remember that old show? Uh, you know, the adventures of uh, Maxwell uh, Smart, uh, this undercover agent, and it wasn't the brightest uh, guy you ever met. Uh, I've got to tell you, it's one of my favorite shows uh, growing up. Enjoyed that show. And, uh, you know, uh, it, but the, he was not very smart, was he? And if you watched very long, I mean, you just wanted to say to him after a while, Maxwell, would you just get smart? And uh, he, I don't think he could have found his way out of a paper bag, let alone uh, solve the case. And, uh, he, but he did have some fancy gadgets, you know. Do you remember the old shoe phone? But he actually he had to dial the phone when he picked it up to, to call. But fortunately, though, he had a partner who could help him solve crimes, who eventually became his wife, Agent 99. And uh, she was actually the smart one in the whole thing. But, you know, you just wanted to say, get smart. And I think that is the message of Proverbs for us today. Get smart. Get wisdom. And so for the next several weeks, I want us to pursue some wisdom from the book of Proverbs for our lives today. Now, to really uh, appreciate, I think, the value of this book, you need to know a little bit about the author. And the author of the majority of the Proverbs, of the 31 Proverbs, is Solomon. So let me tell you a little bit about his story today to kind of set the stage for the value of this book. Uh, Solomon was... uh, the successor to the throne in the nation of Israel after David, uh, his father, died. So Solomon rises to uh, power, and not long after he had become king, God says to him, Solomon, if you could ask for anything, what would you ask for? And Solomon says, God, would you give me a discerning heart to rule wisely your people? God was pleased by that, and he said, Solomon, I will give you that, and because you didn't ask for riches or fame or a long life, I will also give you those things. And so Solomon became this incredibly wise leader. In fact, it wasn't long after that, there were two women who came to him arguing about who a baby belonged to. They had both had babies, but one of the babies had died. And so the remaining child, they were arguing about who it belongs to. And so these two women came before King Solomon and they both said, it's our, my baby. Solomon thought for a moment about how to handle this. And then he had a sword brought to him. And he said to the two women, here's what I'll do. We'll cut it in half, and each of you can have half the baby. Well, the woman whose baby it was not said, no, that's fine. But the mother of the child said, no, no, don't do that. She can have the baby. She can raise the child. And Solomon said instantly, he knew who the baby really belonged to, and he gave the baby to the rightful mother. And there was time after time after time that David demonstrated incredible wisdom as he led the nation of Israel. In fact, it says this in 1 Kings chapter 4 about David, or about Solomon, sorry. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And down in verse 32, it says this about Solomon. He, did, he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Solomon was an incredibly wise man. And all of that wisdom that kings from all of the known world at that time came to try to hear is available to us for everyday reading and everyday life direction. And that's the wisdom that I want us to look at over the course of the next several weeks. If you look in the book of Proverbs, and I hope you brought your Bible today. In fact, why don't you open it up to the book of Proverbs. And when you find the book of Proverbs, mark it because we're going to hang out here all uh, month in this great book. 
Uh, and if you don't know exactly where Proverbs is, if you'll go uh, basically to the middle of your Bible, you'll find the Psalms. And then if you'll just flip forward several pages, you'll come to the book of Proverbs. If you get to Ecclesiastes, um, you've gone a little too far. And I want you to mark this, uh, bring your Bible with you, and let's really dig into this over the next uh, several weeks. But here's how this book begins. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then here he says is the purpose of this book. For attaining wisdom and discipline. For understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. I think the key phrase there is for acquiring or attaining wisdom. The word wisdom is the idea of gaining skill in the art of godly living. Did you catch that? It's gaining skill in the art of godlike living. That's what wisdom is all about. It's about gaining knowledge and experience that helps us live the kind of life that God created us to live. The theme of the book of Proverbs is to wise up and follow God's way in our life. I, um, it's about gaining skill in the art of godly living. I, I think it was uh, two Christmases ago, maybe just a Christmas ago, I'm not sure, I, I uh, my wife, my wonderful wife, gave me a GPS as a gift. Now, it's pretty common. Probably almost all of us have a GPS nowadays. Very common tool, isn't it? And uh, so uh, we're uh, taking a trip in a couple of weeks to uh, take Michael to college and um, kind of enjoy these kinds of gadgets. So yesterday at home I was relaxing by taking a lot of the addresses of places that were stopping along the trip and programming them into my GPS, knowing that when we get ready to leave in a couple of weeks, I'll turn this thing on, and through the magic of those satellites that float through space, it will pinpoint exactly where I am, and then I'll punch in where I want to go, and it'll tell me the path to get there. It will take me from where I am to where I want to go. And really, in a sense, a, a GPS sort of takes some of, the, takes some of the stress out of life, doesn't it? Well, the Bible says that wisdom is like life's GPS. It helps us to get from where we are to where God wants us to be. It helps us to move safely along the path that God has designed for our lives. Listen to what it says again in verse 5. It says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. Solomon seems to indicate that if I want to have wisdom, I have to make a choice. I have to choose to listen to His wisdom. I have to choose to follow the guidance that it gives me. When I uh, set this GPS, it tells you where to turn, doesn't it? In fact, when you make a turn and as you head on a street, it, it says, follow the street, then turn right in one mile. Then a little later it'll say, turn right in .3 miles. And then it'll say, turn right. And then it says, recalculating. Do you know there's a, a person that lives in here? I'm convinced of it. We've named the person that lives in our GPS Gertrude. Gertrude's positioning system. And uh, Gert is so aggravating to me when she tells me she's recalculating. She says it like I am a complete idiot. You know, recalculating like you don't know what in the world you're doing. I think somebody should invent an affirming GPS. 
You get into your car, you turn on the GPS, and it says, Good morning, it's so good to see you. You're looking really good. Have you been losing weight? And then you start out on the journey following your GPS, and, and it tells you all the turns to make. And if you happen to miss a turn, rather than saying recalculating, this affirming GPS says, Oh, I think you might have missed the turn that I had planned for you. That's no problem. Just sit back, relax as you drive, sip some coffee while I plan a new route for our trip together. It doesn't quite work that way, does it? And Solomon suggests that if we choose not to listen, if we choose not to follow the guidance of wisdom, it may take us into dangerous territory. We have to choose to listen. But if we ignore it, often we will find ourselves in dangerous territory territory. A couple of years ago on vacation, we uh, were up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, I put my kids through the uh, drudgery, you know, of this is your dad's wife kind of thing. And so I made them go to the college that I went to while, uh, several years ago and, you know, look around and they were just absolutely overwhelmed by uh, Cincinnati Christian University. And uh, so then we drove uh, across the valley up the next hill over to the University of Cincinnati and uh, we drove around there for a while. They were a lot more interested in that than they were in my school. And uh, somehow, I have no idea, but we made a couple of wrong turns, evidently, and pretty quickly we found ourselves in one of those neighborhoods that you think, everybody locked the door, I hope we get out of here okay. Suddenly, I I was nervous because we had made a wrong turn and we found ourselves in what felt like dangerous territory. And Solomon seems to suggest that if you and I choose not to listen to his wisdom, if we choose not to let the guidance of wisdom direct us, we can end up in some dangerous territory. He says this in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's very important. We're going to come back to that phrase. But then he says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon says those who choose to ignore wisdom are fools. And the word fool is the idea of being obstinate and dull. It's the idea of being stupid and indifferent. In fact, one commentator said a fool is men who have bad hearts, bad heads, and bad ways. It's pretty accurate. And Solomon suggests that if I choose to ignore wisdom, I'm a fool. Did you follow the news this week with the bear incident out in near Yellowstone? Really tragic story. Um, some bears uh, went into a, camp, a campground. They mauled one person to death, and then injured uh, two others. And obviously the authorities came in very quickly and closed down that campground and moved people out of there away uh, to safety and uh, closed it off and said nobody else can come in here. And then they set out to the process of searching to find um, that bear so that they can protect people. Now, Now what would you think of someone who, even though the signs were posted and they knew exactly what had happened, who would have said to those authorities, I don't care about the danger. We really want to stay in that campground. We're going to go back there and stay. We don't care how dangerous it is. We're going to stay right there. What would you call them? Well, I'd call them a fool. I'd call them fools. And in the same way, Solomon suggests that those who choose to ignore God's wisdom are fools. It's fools. In fact, he goes on at the beginning of verse 22 to kind of describe what he thinks of someone who chooses to ignore wisdom. Now, I want to read several verses here. It's a lot longer than I often read. Would you 
Follow along with me, though, carefully, and listen to what Solomon suggests here, beginning in verse 22. He says, How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery? And fools hate knowledge. If you had responded to my rebuke, this is wisdom speaking, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you've rejected me, since you've rejected wisdom, when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all of my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I will in turn laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me to wisdom, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So it seems to me that we would do well to listen to wisdom. To allow wisdom to guide our lives. So let me suggest this morning a couple of attitudes and actions that I think are important that would help us to hear and to follow wisdom in our lives. The first thing is very simple. It begins with a healthy fear of the Lord. Remember what we read in verse 7? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge. It begins with a healthy fear of the Lord. Or really what the author is saying here is a healthy respect for God. A part of that healthy respect is understanding the greatness and the power and the bigness of God and the reality that if God wanted to, He could crush you right now. He could. But it goes far beyond that. It goes far beyond that to recognizing that God is for you. God loves you. God is your biggest cheerleader. He is. When I was uh, in high school, I played a little basketball uh, early in years, uh, my freshman year. Uh, I played for a coach that I had great respect for. But honestly, as a freshman basketball player, I was not aggressive at all to the point where it was very frustrating to my coach. And so one day in in practice, we were doing uh, some drills, uh, roll the ball on the ground, he had to dive for the ball, and I was just not being aggressive about it all. And I guess he had had all he could take from me. He blew the whistle, stopped practice, and he came charging at me, and he smacked his hand into my chest and said to me, he got in my face and said, look, if you're not going to be aggressive, there's no point in you being out here. Now, you know what? He got my attention that day in a lot of ways. But I determined in that moment, he's right. If I'm going to play, I need to be aggressive. Now, why did I receive that? Because, first of all, I had a very healthy respect for him. And secondly, I completely believed that he was for me. He wanted what was best for me and for our team. And you know what? God is for you. Do you believe that? Now, I'm not suggesting that God's going to show up this afternoon and smack you on the chest. And get in your face. But if you will follow wisdom, God's wisdom is intended to help you have the best life that you can possibly have. That's what God wants for you. God is for you. In fact, listen to what it says over in the New Testament of the book of James. It says, but any of you needs wisdom. That's a lot of us probably, right? 
You should ask God for it. He is generous and enjoys giving to all people, so He will give you wisdom. God desires for you to live a wise life. He wants the best for you. And so you and I need to get our lives in the position where we can have a healthy respect for God and follow His guidance, His wisdom. Here's the second thing that I think is true. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to change. Just a few days after I got my uh, GPS, uh, we made a trip to the airport. I don't remember if we were picking somebody up or taking somebody to the airport, but I thought, this is the perfect chance to try it out. And so I, you know, turn it on and it pinpoints our location and I program that I want to go to the airport. And we start driving. It's telling me where to turn. But about halfway through the trip, it tells me to make a turn that I don't normally make to go to the airport. And I thought to myself, we hadn't named Gertrude yet, but I thought to myself, that GPS doesn't know what she's talking about. I've been to the airport a hundred times. My way is the better way. The way she's saying to go is not faster. It's not a good way to go to the airport. I'm going to go my way. God has wisdom for us. And sometimes we think our way is better than His way. In fact, listen again to what it says in verse 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety. An unwillingness to change, complacency in our lives, often ends up putting us in dangerous territory. See, here's what's going to happen in our lives. If we desire wisdom, if we pursue wisdom, God is going to give us that wisdom, but what's going to happen is we're going to be faced with a choice. We're going to get to a point where we're going to have to choose between the path that we have been following, the one that we're used to, and a new path, a new way of living that God shows us. And here's what will happen, because it happens to me. We will be tempted to think, I'm smarter than God. I know more than He does. My way isn't so bad. I think I'll stick with my way. But if we really want wisdom to work in our lives and we want to experience all that God has for us, we have to be willing to change. Be willing to admit maybe our way wasn't the best. Be willing to admit that God's way could be better. It is actually possible. (laughs) But God knows more than I do. And I need to be willing to change to follow His path. One more thing. You have to pursue wisdom. You have to pursue it. Listen to what Solomon writes when he moves over into chapter 2, verse 1. He says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight, if you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Do you catch his tone there? He is suggesting that to get wisdom in our lives, it takes some pursuit. It takes some action on our part. Wisdom is not likely just to fall into our laps. But if we will pursue wisdom, if we will search for it, if we will look for it, God says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to help you to find it. I'm going to place it in a place that you can grab hold of it. But you've got to make some effort. You have to pursue wisdom. 
So here's what I'd like to suggest to us. Some ways that together we could pursue wisdom over the next month. The first is I want to challenge you to begin reading through the book of Proverbs. One proverb every day. There are 31 Proverbs and it just so happens that there are 31 days in the month of August. As if we planned it. Okay, And today is August 1st. And so if you will join today, and we've already read a lot of chapter 1, you can go home and pick up the parts we missed today. If you'll start today and read one proverb every day throughout this month, you'll read through this entire book by the time that we are done. And I believe that if you'll take the time to read through this book, you will discover all kinds of wisdom. God will help you to see some things that maybe you have never seen before. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is to commit to joining us every week as we study together because we're going to try to drill down into four or five of these topics in this book and dig deeply and drink from the wisdom that is there for our lives. We're going to try to look at some things about parenting. We're going to talk about how to deal with temptation in our lives that Solomon speaks about. We're going to talk about the subtleties of pride and how it sneaks into our lives and how Solomon says we can fight that. We're going to talk about several different issues. And I want to encourage you to be here as we try to drill down into those and really pursue wisdom in our lives so that together we can gain some skill in the art of godly living, of becoming more like God wants us to be. There's an incredible story that I read. It was carried on uh, CNN and that I read it this week about a 17-year-old, Stephen Ortez, in California who traded up from a cell phone to a porch. True story. He began by trading his cell phone for an iPod Touch. He traded that for a dirt bike. He traded that for a laptop computer. Then there were some other trades in there that weren't in the article. He eventually traded those things for a Toyota 4Runner, then for a Bronco, then for an SUV, and ultimately for the cherished Porsche. Can you imagine? From a cell phone to a Porsche just by trading morning, I want to encourage you to trade up. I want to encourage you to trade some of the time that you are spending doing other things. And this month, trade that time for pursuing wisdom in your life. I want to encourage you to to trade up for something that is far more valuable for your life than owning a Porsche. That would be nice. But I want to encourage you to trade up for the wisdom of God in your life and the value that it can bring to all of us. Let's pray together. God, I thank You for the wisdom of this book, the wisdom that You poured into Solomon's life because he asked. Thank You that he shared it with us in a way that we can read it every day and it can direct our lives every day. God, would You help us to have a heart, a desire to pursue wisdom, to dig into it. And God, as we do so, would You bring some changes to our lives and would You make us, God, courageous enough and willing enough to change And God, would you help us all together over these next 31 days to gain some additional skill in the art of living a life like you, of being God-like. God, change us as we pursue wisdom. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.